Rhythm. It's hard to miss with every sunrise and sunset, with every wave crashing on the shoreline, with every cycle and every season. And for you, there's a rhythm too, a rhythm of grace. Can you imagine what would happen if God set your pace? You might just experience the rest of your life. Well, welcome everybody. It's good to see everybody here. And if you're joining online, it's so happy to see you here. I don't get to see you in person, but I'm glad that you're with us today. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the staff pastors here at Victory, and I am just excited that we get to dig in to the Word of God together. You guys ready to dig in? I hope you are. You came to dig in. All right, that's good to hear. Well, I'm going to start off with a spooky story. I have a spooky story to share with you, okay? You guys ready? Uh, Those with weak weak kind of... uh, uh, whatever, like personalities, just be prepared because this is really spooky. Um, Just kidding, it's not really that spooky. But uh, long ago, that's a good start, right? Long ago, I was about 16 years old, and I woke up at 3 a.m. to a strange noise in my house. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in that position before where you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and there's a strange noise going on. Has everybody ever had that happen where you're like, what is that noise? What's going on? I woke up and that was, that was what's happening. I heard it was like a moaning or a crying or something. And I did not know what it was. And I thought for a second it could be like a cat outside or we, our house was right next to a bar. I thought maybe it was someone outside from the bar. I did not know. But I couldn't go back to sleep without trying to see what this was. So I did what every person in a scary movie should not do. I want to investigate the noise, all right? It's a surprise that I'm still alive right now, so. But what happened is I went downstairs, and it got louder, and I looked around downstairs to try and find the source of the noise, and I realized, now, it's not downstairs, it's in the basement, okay? And so our basement wasn't just like, you know, a finished basement or a nice basement, it was a dirt floor root cellar, okay? I don't know if you've ever been in one of those. It's dirt floor. The walls are all crumbly. It was just gross, filled with cobwebs, and it was scary in the daytime. And this is 3 a.m. And one special thing, one special fact that you need to know about this basement, and not only was it creepy, but there was one light in that basement And the light wasn't controlled by a switch on the stairs. It was controlled by one of those pull switches. You know what I'm talking about? Those little chains that click, click. It makes that noise when you you turn it on. So I had the click, click, and it was in the middle of the basement. So to get to the light, I would actually have to go through this dark basement to get to this light to try and find out what's going on down in this basement. Now, most of you would have said, I'm giving up. I'm I'm going back to bed. I'm calling the cops or whatever. I was foolish. I went down. I decided I'm going to see what this noise is. So I slowly crept into the basement, and I heard it get louder, this noise get louder and louder. I knew that it was not an animal. It was a person. 
but I could not make out in the darkness who it was. And so I started shouting out my family members' names. You know, I have eight brothers and sisters. I thought it could have been one of them or whatever, someone pulling a prank on me. I finally make my way to the light, and I'm getting ready to turn it on. You know those, like, previews of, like, scary movies where all of a sudden someone clicks the light and there's the monster right there? Like, everybody's seen that trailer where it's like, ah! Like those, like, jump scares. I was waiting for that to happen when I turned on the light. So I click on the light. Thank God the monster wasn't there. But I look, and in the far corner of the basement was a figure. And that figure was face first into the corner, moaning. I could not tell you how scared I was at that moment. I realized it was my younger brother, Justin, and he was standing in the corner just, and this is before Blair Witch even came out, okay? So, I mean, but I was like, oh, they must have based it off this story. So he's standing in the corner, and I thought, first, he was trying to mess with me. He's trying to pull a prank on me. But then I realized something. He was sleepwalking. He had slept walk all the way downstairs, all the way into the basement, all the way into the corner, and was just moaning there. He was trying to talk or something, but it sounded so weird. So I decided, okay, big brother time. You got me. Now I'm going to get to you. Now I know they say, and I don't know who these they are, but they say you shouldn't wake a sleepwalker, right? They say that. Who are they, by the way? I don't even know who they are. But they say that you shouldn't wake a sleepwalker, and I don't know why, but I didn't know at the time, so I just woke him up. And I shook him, and he was like, oh, he's all disoriented. He said, why'd you bring me down here? And I said, no, you brought me down here to give me 50 bucks. Now pay up and get out of here. (laughs) I'm a great big brother. (laughs) I tell that story to say that some of us might be in a bad, dark place and not know how we got, out of, got there or how to get out of it. And I think that some of us need to get new rhythms and new lifestyles. Uh, and some of us, are, we are spiritually sleepwalking and need to get to a better place than a dank basement. Maybe some of you are here right now thinking that right now. God wants to snap you awake and get you back to a place of rest that is good for you. Get you back to a place where you are meant to be. This sermon today is called Awakened to Rest. It sounds like an oxymoron, but you'll see why I bring this up soon enough. And it's a tough pill to swallow that we can even to, to, to self-evaluate and think, oh, I could be sleeping spiritually. But let's have open hearts to hear from the Lord today. Let's look to Scripture and see what the Word says about rest and our spiritual status. But first, let's pray together. So, Father God, we thank you so much for your Word. It is living. It is amazing. And God, we just pray that it penetrates our hearts. Speak to us. Open up our ears and help us to leave changed and challenged. In your name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to be reading from Hebrews 4, and we're going to be reading 1 through 13. God offers us rest. He's offering you rest today. He gives 
soul rest. In verse 9 that we're going to look at in a moment, he speaks of a special rest. It's a spiritual rest. It's a soul rest. And it's a little bit different than the physical rest that we know. And so let's unpack this together. Let's take a look. Hebrews 4, 1 through 13. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble. Don't miss this, church. We ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared, this rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But they, it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has already been ready since he made the world. We know it's ready because of the place of the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. But the other passage that God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God sent another time for his entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced through David, much later in the words already quoted, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, Joshua, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. If we, but if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. This is amazing. Joshua led the people of Israel, just a background of what he's talking about, because that can get a little confusing as they're talking about they and, and, and us. Joshua led the people of Israel to their physical rest, but not to their promised spiritual rest. The Hebrew Christians who received this letter they were tempted to return to the faith of their fathers, a more physical faith that denies Christ and avoids the threats of their modern Christianity. And Hebrews sets, us to sh sets out to show us that there's a divine priesthood of Jesus and what he does on behalf of his people. And as we hone into the idea, idea of Jesus as our advocate, we can better understand what he means when he says, rest for your souls in Matthew eleven twenty nine, We see a picture painted for our dire need for rest. And let's be clear, it's a spiritual rest. But, uh, but here also, we need to walk in obedience to what the Lord is telling us and telling his people through his word. And we'll dig in more to that concept in, 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 in a minute. But first, let's get to the basics of this passage and where we're going to focus today. This whole series is on Sabbath rest. 
And we need to keep the conversation moving to understanding that physical and, uh, that, that physical and spiritual implications that it has for us here today, okay? So rest is mentioned in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And somewhere in the beginning, we'll just say Exodus, rest becomes a commandment. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. The first three commandments deal specifically how we are people to revere God. The last five deal with how to interact with each other. And then the fourth one, remembering and keeping the Sabbath. And that's what we're talking about tonight. It gave specific instruction how to maintain a healthy relationship between our spiritual and our earthly lives. And this observance was meant to be a regular act of humility by stopping all work and acknowledging that he is Lord, the source of all things. And the repetitive nature established a healthy rhythm and rest and refreshment for the people. And at this time of year, the beginning of the year, the new year, we set a lot of goals for new rhythms, but most of us don't include rest or Sabbath in those goals. Is that fair enough to say? I took a personality test a, 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 a long time ago, and it stated that I believe that rules are important and should be followed at all times by everyone. That was something that was part of my personality test. Only I left out the end part. It should be followed at all times by everyone except for me. Anybody else in that camp? <laughs> Um, I'm work Jesus is still working on me, okay? My goodness. Rules for thee, not for me. I should have been a politician. But I, 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 I don't think that I'm the only one that falls into that category of rebellion. I think culturally we are very rebellious people. And the truth is that it's not a new human trait. We have been rebelling against God since Genesis. And by definition, none of the commandments that were given in the Old Testament were optional. They're not optional. The Ten Commandments still stand for us today. Each one was non-negotiable part of the agreement. Yes, history has shown the observance of God's Sabbath is often minimalized or ignored in disobedience of this command. What we need to understand is this, for, for, this is for, the Sabbath is for our own benefit and blessing. Mark 2, 27 says that the Sabbath was made for us, not the other way around. There's a contemporary adage that we like to say, we work hard and we play hard, right? Has anybody ever heard that? But life's not about working hard and then booking up our whole weekend or our free time or our vacation with some kind of entertainment or leisure. That, uh, not that entertainment or leisure is bad, but it's about working hard and stopping, period. In that rhythm, the work takes on more of a meaning and the stopping takes on holiness. You with me, church? There's a humility and obedience that comes with the command to rest. It's understanding that our desperate need to be with God and rely on him for our renewal hourly, daily, 
weekly. But more importantly, we have to know that we aren't just stopping for stopping's sake. And what I mean by that is if we are stopping, if we are stopping to meet some kind of spiritual requirement so that God doesn't get mad at us or we've missed the bus on this. This rhythm isn't so God can see what kind of hoops he can make us jump through or deny us of joy. And you'll see today throughout this, and throughout this series that the Sabbath, quite frankly, is the opposite of all those things. True biblical Sabbath magnifies life's joys and beauties if we can get it right. Amen? There's an episode of the show called The Office. I don't know if any of you heard that, of that show. It's kind of underground a little bit. But there's a show called The Office and where the boss, Michael Scott, he organizes a 5K race to bring about rabies awareness. Anybody ever seen this episode? It's really a good one. Um, and in his preparation for this 5K, he deprives himself of water and eats pretty much a whole pound of fettuccine alfredo can you imagine the outcome of that race it was pretty miserable it's funny but it makes me think the bible often talks about endurance yet some of us have drank less water and eaten more fettuccine alfredo in our life <laughs> and we've been availing ourselves and not availing ourselves of the sole rest that god offers our endurance is terrible because we aren't being filled with the good things that come along with the discipline of proper Sabbath. I'm convinced that you could take an entire year off of work and sleep till noon and hang out in a hammock in 70 degree weather, sipping lemonade, lemonade and watching clouds go by and still be exhausted. Why? Because you aren't being renewed spiritually. This is alignment, and this alignment must be body and soul. It's how God created us. Our physical and spiritual need to be in sync. That's the rest he's offering in Hebrews and other parts of the Bible, and that's the rhythm of Sabbath. The dire warning in verse 1 of Hebrews helps us see the weight that this carries. We ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to get there. It's a concern for our own well-being as well as our brothers and sisters in Christ. There is a divine direction of obedience that God has given us. And at every, any given moment, we are at a crossroad. We need to know how to choose we need to ask to stop. Sorry, we need to stop. We need to ask, and then we need to go. And here's where I could put in a joke about men not asking for directions, but I won't for time's sake, so make your own jokes. But we're going to look at Jeremiah 6.16. Sometimes we reject the edicts of God, the divine, divine direction of obedience. Jeremiah 6.16 says, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will, you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. 
It's like those old cartoons where you see a crossroad and the hero takes the wrong road and we can all clearly see that it's wrong and we're shouting at him through the TV and we're like, I would never have taken that road. But we do it all the time spiritually. And we see it right here in this passage. I am more and more and more convinced that the thief, the worm of worry, burrows so deeply into us that it affects our soul. It's not that we forget to rest in God. It's that we choose to ignore that we need to rest in God. We think our relationship with God is good, and so we're okay. But no amount of physical rest will ever make up for the spiritual exhaustion you will face in carrying your burdens. You hear me, church? What do you need to give to God to entrust to his care? to rest in his goodness and peace. See, the crossroad brings us to a place of loud self-reliance or the stillness and the quiet of God. Well, why can't we get this? Why can't we quiet the things in our mind long enough to hear God and spend time in his presence? Why do I have to distract myself so much I grew up with eight brothers and sisters. Quiet was a concept beyond my understanding. Thank God I'm so quiet now. I'm too afraid of quiet. Too controlled by the idol of fevered, compulsive action. We need to cry out for rest lest we perish. Lest we fail to get the promise of rest God has gifted us. Sometime during each and every day, we need, being outside the realms of weekly Sabbath, everything should stop. And we must practice the art of being still. Church, this is, this is so important. And forgive me if I'm being a little bit more serious than I usually am, but this is just dire when it boils down to it. Even if this means that time is snatched from the greedy demands of work, we must engage in doing nothing. No reading a book, paper, no thinking of the next action, no fretting over past mistakes, no talk, and little by little we will release our habitual fear of rest, of pause. What has you feeling displaced or uprooted? What private needs can you name? What might you be hearing God saying in response if you are aware or disciplined enough to posture yourself to hear him? Now sit in the stillness of God's presence and listen. What is he saying? Our inner voice keeps us at the front lines of spiritual warfare out in open vulnerable to attack see if we can quiet our inner voice and the lies whispered to us making us so desperate for that noise and that chaos we can better hear the tactical calls god is giving us to know where to stand and how to best defend or advance against the enemy see the loudness of me is ruining my chances of true peace in him I'm getting wrecked spiritually because I'm running around the battlefield like an idiot, not listening to the instruction to get behind the safety of the gates. 
You with me, church? See, Sabbath gets us off the battlefield and gives us the rest we need to face the next battle. How foolish of me to think that I can know better than God in anything. Eugene Peterson says that Sabbath is the uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. Hmm. It also means it's a safe to say that to achieve or implement a true Sabbath, we have to practice many Sabbath moments during the week. See, in this passage, God's saying that you're at a crossroad. You have to stop. One one road leads to soul rest, while the other leads to self-destruct. One of the best decisions you can make when you're facing a dilemma is the decision to stop. Take a time out. Pray for guidance. Sleep on it. Get some godly wisdom from people. You trust and picture the possible outcomes. See, follow the advice of the famous 80s theologian, Vanilla Ice. You guys know where I'm going with this. You know the song, Stop, Collaborate, and... Come on. You didn't know you didn't know you didn't know Van Ice was a theologian, did you? <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> All right, that got cringy real quick. Most of us have really good intentions or at least some kind of justification for the things we do. Yet so many of us seem surprised when we find ourselves a long way from the place we want to be or a long way from the place where God wants us to be. The big changes in our life, both negative and positive, rarely happen without a series of decisions piling up on each other like never-ending dominoes. Do you see how stopping can be one of the most productive things we do? When we stop to take stock of where we are and where we want to go, you can decide how to move forward in the godly way we see this passage. It's not... How can I fit God into my busy schedule? But rather, what can I cut out to make more room for God? Hmm. Sabbath builds a new rhythm and foundation to get out of bad cycles and habits that are eating away at our souls. Are you doing anything that's taking you in a direction you don't want to go? Or that God doesn't want you to go? What do you need to stop completely? An addiction to social media? Alcohol? Porn? Approval? An unhealthy relationship? A judgmental attitude? What can you stop in order to move closer to God's direction? How can you know you're not stopping and taking? How can you know what it is if you're not stopping and taking an inventory of where you are spiritually? In this sense, stopping actually means stepping in a new direction. You might need to step towards accountability. You might need to step towards forgiveness. You might need to step towards the right friends, the right road to travel, the right spiritual rhythm to walk in. And here's where it gets good, folks. Acceptance of Sabbath brings us to a place of perpetual blessings. Perpetual blessings. 
It doesn't mean that our lives are lollipops and rainbows, but it does mean that the sole rest of Sabbath come with the blessing of the Father at least, at the least, weekly, if not daily. Not only will we leave behind the things that, you know, guide us down the wrong path, but we will set up for stronger connection with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, leading us to weekly rest, refilling, and renewal. In other words, you're going to have a good week. Expect it. We live in such a negative culture. The curses spoken out over each other are so disheartening. We hear them everywhere, but God gave us the antidote, and that is blessings. One of the traditions that the Hebrews developed in observing Sabbath is that they would speak blessings over everything. They developed a vocabulary of blessings. They created blessings for when it rained, when lightning struck, when the rainbows filled the sky. They wrote blessings for watching the blossoms unfold in the woods and the smells and the amazing things that God has given us. They did blessings for everything. They created special blessings for the Sabbath. Why? Because that is the way God modeled it for us. Isaiah 58, 13 says this. It says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight. Oh my goodness, it's awesome. As the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. See, we aren't meant to talk idly because that leads to negative talk, to gossip, to a place that taints the holy atmosphere that we are inviting and cultivating with God in our homes. Once we develop a habit of speaking blessing in our home, it'll eventually trickle into other parts of our lives. God gave blessings to Aaron to speak over the Israelites, and it became a covering for them. And shortly afterwards, when a Moabite king hires a sorcerer to speak speak curses over each one of them, he can only speak blessings. And God says directly to him, you cannot curse what I have blessed. Wow. How many need that covering when you go to work tomorrow? How many need that when they walk through the door of the homes tonight? God wants to establish a charging station that begins with the four walls of your home. God blessed Jesus at his baptismal to prepare him for 40 rough days of fasting and temptation. We need the blessing of God to endure anything the world has to throw at us. Amen? Amen. Furthermore, we need to be known as people who bless God pours blessings into pipes, not pots. God calls us to bless our families, to bless others around us, to bless even our enemies. We need to get in that rhythm of blessing. Anyone ready for a movement of blessing? Victory Church, we can be that starting point, but it starts with a little discipline of Sabbath. And proof of that comes from the final passage we'll look at today, and that's from Isaiah 40, 26 through 31. It says, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after the other, calling each by name. And because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. 
O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you ever say that God ignores your rights? Have you ever, never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can ever measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. This is incredible, church. And if we can understand this, this points to the blessing and provision God has over each and every one of us in this room. Not only does he see our troubles and take care of them, but he also promises new strength. This is soul rest. This is a spiritual renewal. This is trusting and waiting and walking with God. This is the rhythm of Sabbath. God is calling each of you to take up a new mantle this year of rest in him. What an easy edict, right? Don't be the group at the crossroads that reject the rest of God for something that will never give you the peace that you so desperately need and desire. Jesus wants to give you peace that goes beyond all understanding. This is why he can sleep in a boat with a storm raging around him because he knows that God is in control and true rest is only found in him. Amen? Amen. Maybe you've never walked with God that way, like the way we've talked about today. Maybe you're feeling tired and overwhelmed. Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a surrendering to him. Will you do that with me today? Let's bow our heads. We make that decision to follow Christ and walk in his blessings. I'd like everybody just to repeat this prayer after me. If you've decided, if you want to make that decision to follow Christ tonight, I would love for you to pray this prayer with me and uh, ask the Lord to be in your life. So let's say this together. Heavenly Father, today I make the choice to follow you. I believe Jesus died and rose again for me. Forgive me of my sins and be Lord of my life today and forever. Amen.